From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dot consulting dot co. Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coding the Future. Thank you so much for joining us for another hour of exciting conversation all around the concept of building your technology genius. Coding the Future is an education-based show to give information and action tips to working adults to guide them to a new level of tech savvy through leveraging your own skill set. We share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain explain how to leverage your current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your own tech success. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. I'm an educator, a technologist, entrepreneur, mom of two boys. Oh my goodness. One of my boys is almost seven, which is crazy, crazy. My baby lover of all coffee and wine an avid list maker. I really do love a good list and a lifelong learner. And I am so honored that you have joined us today on the coding the future show. So today's show is going to be really enlightening. I am in a lot of my, how you define yourself. I often begin to define myself as an educator. But in the past few years, my world of education has expanded and I have become an entrepreneur. Not that you aren't always some type of entrepreneur at some point in your journey, especially if you're working for a big company or even within your own role right now in your career, you're often innovating and changing and growing and growing the company with new ideas, which is really the base of what an entrepreneur is. Today, we have the privilege of talking to Jackie Benjamin, who is an expert in helping entrepreneurs find their way through this crazy thing called organization, staffing, and I say staffing because she's going to help you put your mind around what it means to have your finances set up, your organization set up, what we all the things that you need to do your thing better. As an entrepreneur, we often start off wanting to do something because we have a passion, but then all the business pieces come around and try to inch their way in there. And you're like, oh boy, wait a minute. How do, how do I do that finance thing? How do I set up my calendar? Who can help me with email? <laughs> all Social media, all the pieces. And Jackie is an expert in helping entrepreneurs find the perfect virtual assistant, aka other options within your business to help you grow and run it better. She's had a long history in technology and she is here to share her insights on how we can grow our business if you're an entrepreneur, how you can grow yourself and knowing some great tech tools to help you be better in your own career, and talk a little bit about how technology has been an influence in her life and in her career. So Jackie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sharon. I'm so honored to be here and excited. 
Me too. We were connected through uh, another wonderful organization. And I find that that's been the best way that I've found the most amazing guest is when someone says, oh, you should talk to so-and-so because they have so much great insight. And we were connected through a mentor of ours. And I am so delighted because we started talking and immediately an hour went by and I was like, oh my gosh, we both had to go. So I said, you have to be on my show and tell me more about what you do. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute and I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and let them know who you are and tell us a little bit about um, your background and then uh, give a snippet about what your business is right now. Okay, great. Yeah, so uh, my name is Jackie Benjamin, as you mentioned. Um, my background has been primarily in technology and technology consulting. So I started my career um, back in the 90s as a COBOL developer. And if Love. nobody, people listening don't know what that is, um, that's a, an older language that we used to write programs in and still is around today, but um, 60-year-old coding tool. So I started, started my career there, spent, like I mentioned, most of it in technology and technology consulting and, you know, really morphed into being more on the, um, probably more on the analytical side as opposed to the coding side, which when I started doing that, people didn't even know what a business analyst was and how they connected the dots between business and, and technology. Um, so really, you know, bringing that into what I love doing and what I had a passion for and um, helping business owners come up with some great solutions to, you know, get some time back and run their businesses and starting this company, um, we assist with the virtual assistance available to help companies a use technology because we're all using it, whether we think through technologists or not now and B have somebody available who can take over those tasks that you mentioned. So your day-to-day calendar and inbox management, who's going to do my social media posting because I know that's so important to have myself out there and be relevant. Uh, You know, who's going to do invoice my clients because that takes a lot of time, but I need that cash in hand. Um, And really that provides our services provide people those, um, those parts of their businesses really through just all through technology and especially the virtual part. I like to say we were virtual before virtual was cool. (laughs) Because when I started the company, I had to do a lot of education around how a virtual assistant could work for people because the mindset was such that everybody, if you had an executive assistant, you had to be in the office with them because how could they possibly understand what you do and do it well if they're not sitting right next to you? So I did a lot of education about that until Corona hit. And now everybody understands how that can work and Mm -hmm. sees how it can work very well. So we were virtual before virtual is cool. I, like, I feel like that's like a hashtag, virtual before virtual is cool. I really yes. like it. And, you know, it's so true because before, you know, you could mention the word Zoom and people would say, hmm, what is that? And now it's almost become a part of our vernacular like Google. Yes. And it's interesting because I've been using Zoom for probably six years now. So mm-hmm. in my prior job, we, that's how we communicated. We had, we had offices around the country and one international, and we that's how we communicated with each other, with our clients. So it wasn't a big leap for me, but working with our clients, it's a big leap for some people. Um, absolutely. And it's, well, it's a transition, you know, is we've really done most of our business face-to-face. Now, I agree with you. I've been using Zoom for some time as well, but the general public have been mm-hmm. mostly interacting face-to-face. So it's a switch to think, oh, well, this really can work and I still can see you. 
and we can still make this happen. I, I completely agree. And even the concept of a virtual assistant has had an interesting connotation over time, you know, um, and what that looks like. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, in just a little bit, because I, I want to talk, I want to dig into a bit about what they do and how how this has all come uh, to play, because I think it's a really important piece that entrepreneurship that we don't talk a lot about. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, getting your own house in order. But before we do any of that, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions just so we can get to know you a little bit better. You mentioned that you have been in technology for a while, which is pretty amazing. COBOL was an incredible programming language and really laid the baseline for so much of what has come afterwards. You know, what I, my first language was visual basic.net, which was an object oriented language as well. And I am so delighted that that has also morphed into much easier languages because it was definitely not my favorite language. But tell us um, a little bit about uh, beyond just technology. What was the first job you ever had as a young adult uh, or a teenager? Gosh, so, so I babysat, of course, from, you know, when I turned 12 or 13 or what have you. But my first job where I actually got a printed on paycheck um, is I worked in a fabric store. And at the time, I was very involved in, I always liked, loved home ec, um, which now is called life sciences in a lot of schools. And uh, I was always, I always really enjoyed it. I enjoyed sewing. And so I applied for this job. I was 15 and got this job at the mall in the sewing store the, uh, and the fabric store. And it was, it was great because, first of all, it taught me how to cut a straight line um, because there's a lot of fabric cutting. But it, what was really great about it was that it was the first time I'd really been out in public and working in public in that, in that type of customer service situation where people are coming in and, you know, you really need to help them figure out what's going on. And especially for that, that type of work, figuring out their patterns and what they need and all of the things that they might need. So you're spending a lot of time with your, with your customers. So I think it was really then when I fell in love with client service. Um, mm-hmm. And just really helping people. I, I loved it. I loved working. I had a couple other retail jobs. I loved working with the customers as they came in. And, you know, it's, it was that that I think really was helps, it helps hone my skills or start my skills around just being a servant leader and helping customers and clients with whatever their situation was. That's a really interesting first job in a fabric store. I also worked in a fabric store for about a hot minute when I was in in college uh, as well. But I, you know, and I remember having to cut the straight line, which, by the way, I never did super well, but tried to. But you use a lot of your mathematical skills in figuring out patterns and how much yardage and the how much it costs per yard or, or whatnot. That's a a really cool first job. Yeah. So I have a little nerdy story for you about All that. Right. So the other thing that, um, that helps me with is when I, so when I got my first job, we, a bunch of us were sent to a management type training class and we broke out in small groups. And one of the, the exercise was to figure out you were working with a um, textile plant and they were losing money. And you, our job was to figure out why. Well, it came down to what was going on was that the plant manager was measuring on the 10th of an inch and you working in a fabric store, fabric is measured on the eighth of an inch. So when you Mm. measure fabric, if it's a 0.3, it's a three eighths of a yard or a foot. So what we, we had to figure out why the factory is losing money. It was really an exercise in discovery, of course, but 
me being having worked at the fabric store, I knew exactly what the measurements were supposed to be. And our group will say one because I'm competitive. Our group won, and they mentioned that was the first time anybody had actually figured out what the problem was without doing the discovery and asked me how I did it. And that was why is because I worked in a fabric store. So that's that was the my real life skill situation of um, of the fabric. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Because yeah. I was going to ask you in particular, you know, how are you able to transfer those skills of what you did in the fabric store? I mean, and then you went into other retail opportunities sure. as, well, but, as well. But a lot of times that first job has such an influence on how you move forward. I mean, it's not that it's in the end all be all, but you know, if I close my eyes and I think about my first job, which was at Harris Teeter, which is a grocery mm-hmm. store here in our area. And I had to do a lot of problem solving myself, even with just checking out groceries about when people brought through products that didn't have codes on it, or they wanted something, they bought it and then they want it, they, they put it in their cart and they're like, oh, I don't want that anymore. Or, you know, and you have to return it and all those kinds of things. Like there's so much problem solving that happened within just that job. And the same thing with you with the fabric store. Yep. And then, you know, for, I mean, from the math perspective, fractions, and my whole, oh, yes. my whole shift was fractions. I mean, that's yeah. all we did was fractions. And we didn't have, we didn't use a lot of calculators. We didn't have a lot of, I mean, electronic kind of digital technology. We just didn't. It was, it was the eighties. We had a cash register, yeah. you know, and we had a couple of calculators <laughs> and and paper, right? around. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it was, you know, it was really all about fractions, which I loved math in school and did well in math. So it was a great job. Yeah. And, you know, I just to bring in my whole education hashtag nerdiness piece, what I love the most about this is it shows the relevance of learning fractions in school, because there is a point where in this particular entity and and life sciences, working in fabric, clothing, anything to do with creation Mm -hmm. using fabric, you need to understand the concepts of fractions and how that works and how that's applied to creating something that can be used or sold. Yes which I kept reinforcing to my children as they complained about math and algebra in high school. And, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I told them someday you actually will use this again. So pay attention. Yes. Fractions for sure. So tell me a little bit as you went through your high school career and you, you were learning and you working and those kinds of things, what sort of drove you into the world of technology? Did you do that in college? Was that something you knew about or what was that journey like? So it was something I always knew I wanted to do and I would do. So from when, when I was a young girl, I was probably five, maybe six, but I think I was probably five. My dad was in technology and we went to visit him at work and one, he was a punch card operator. So ex- just to explain what that is a little bit for your listeners, if they don't know, is back in the 70s, computer programs were written on hard co- hard stock cards and you would punch in onto these cards different spaces which would be a line of code essentially um, I think it was 80 characters actually but it'd be kind of a line of code and then you'd put them into these readers and it would read the program and something would happen so that's what my dad did so we went to visit him at work and he created punch cards with our names on them mine and my brothers and I was fascinated by that and I was five um, or maybe six, like I said. So I was fascinated by that. So I really, I think it was that that kind of caught my attention. And then 
you know, I, like I said, I always knew I wanted to be in technology. I knew that I wanted to go down this path. So any chance I got to be in front of a computer when in junior high, there was a computer lab, right? That there were like six computers in the computer lab that we could go spend time in and high school, the same. And then um, when I got to college, I knew that I was, because I knew that I was going to do that, but I also knew I wanted to be kind of more on the management side of things. I majored in management information systems. So as opposed to computer science, which was very coding focused at the time. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of a mix of business and coding and spent time in back in that day, we had a computer lab. Not every, nobody had their own computer in their dorm oh, room. Oh yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, we had, there were about 10 PCs. So the Windows-based PCs and everything else in the computer lab was were Apple computers, the old ones where people would go to write papers and such. But I was always fascinated with, um, you know, learning the, we would learn the Microsoft products, you know, Excel and Word, WordPerfect, I think it was back oh, then. Oh my gosh, yes, it was yeah. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to do that. I knew that I wanted to have a career in technology. I th- something about the problem solving situation of technology where you can figure out how to solve a problem with um, with equations, essentially word equations, mm-hmm. and then watch something happen or figure out what this what the bug was or the issue was and then fix it and watch it watch something happen. So that was fascinating. So when I graduated from college, that was what I was looking for. And the program I was in was the management information systems major was very small. Um, when it was, you were either a management major or an accounting major, the accounting majors, there were, a, it was a really, really big major. There were probably in my class of, and I went to a larger school, 12,000 students. There were probably about 20 of us that graduated with management information systems. Wow. Again, this was the early 90s and it wasn't it hadn't really taken off like it, it is today. Things have changed so fast in a short amount of time. Um, but yeah, and I looked for my first job and that's where I found my job as a COBOL developer and just kind of, you know, started doing things from there and then went to graphical user interface GUI programming mm-hmm. language and power builder once everything kind of changed in that direction and then, you know, I created this niche for myself that was this business analyst you know, before people knew what that was and tied, like I said, tied the two business and the technology together and helped translate from the business owners to the technologists what that could look like and how things should work. And then really from there, it was just taking off into, into keeping that path and, um, you know, always within some kind of technology. Yeah, I like that a lot. There's several things that I heard you say that I think are important in that you continue to work towards something that you enjoyed. You enjoyed tinkering with the computer and learning how it worked and what it did. And but you also had a business acumen and I like that because often we can get siloed in thinking we have to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. And your ability to be able to code, but also be able to communicate with those that are not coding is really important because sometimes when we're thinking the code is really binary, right? It's either going to be on or it's off or it's going to work or whatnot. And the unbinary part is how we're going to interact with it. How is the user, and you mentioned the graphical user interface, the GUI, G-U-I, we we say that a lot in, in our field, is really important. And that design and understanding of how an individual is going to interact with that is really 
the first step because you could code all day long, but if it doesn't have impact on how a user is going to use that uh, software or application, then there's kind of no use in coding. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, um, one of the one job that I had along the way was they were switching their main product, their main software system from a very machine-based language to green screen, you know, black screen, green letters, that kind of thing, to GUI. And it was the big, all the rage, right? Like it just, this had just come out and everybody was going GUI and cut your programming time in, in, in half, right? Because right. you don't need all of these meetings and you don't need all of this, um, you know, all of this technology behind it. Well, what they didn't consider and take into consideration is what you still do need is the discovery around how users are going to interact with this. Yes. So it was a little bit, it was actually a big bit of a disaster because they just took what they currently had, which was the black screen with the green letters, and they tried to just make that into GUI because it was going to take so much shorter amount of time. Well, as you can imagine, that's not what people wanted. People wanted an easy, fun way to interact with their computer system. Mm-hmm. And we had to scrap the whole thing and start from scratch because that what, what they didn't think about was people are going to use this differently. And that is still important to do the discovery work up front. Sure, it might cut down on your coding on the back end when you're actually going to do the work of it, but the, you can't replace that user, that user piece. No, and that's such a key component of working in the technology field that often gets overlooked. Like you said, that process of figuring out the UI, the user um, interface, and the user experience, the UX design. I mean, that's a a pivotal piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even on some current projects I'm working on right now, really, I'm working with a company to help develop a uh, interaction for students. And you know, we've been doing a lot of testing, like where do our students go when they first land on the webpage? Where do their, where do their mouse or their eyes go? And we can follow them and observe to see what they do so that when we're creating this interface, there's purpose, mm-hmm. yes. there's purpose in use. And we, uh, that, that's just, that's really important. And I think that's a great point to bring up too, in terms of thinking about yourself and your career and you know, for those that are listening, if you love design and you like figuring out how people interact with technology, that's a really wonderful area to dive into to uh, in, in the field because that's such an important piece of how we end up coding, if they're mm-hmm. going to use it and how they're going to use it. So yeah. that leads me to the question, what has been a technology that has really been the best tech skill or best technology that you have learned over the past 20 years? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, so much has changed over over 20 years. But for me, you know, I don't think it was it one particular platform or, or app or program, but it was really how to use technology to be organized. So I'm a naturally organized person. But going from, like you're saying, you love lists. So going from my list making to a tool. So back in the day, going to the Palm Pilot, if you remember those. Oh my gosh, the so, Palm Pilot. Yes, <laughs> I love, totally. I love my Palm Pilot so much. One of my friends called me Palm Pilot Jackie. 
Um, and going from that, which ironically is a PDA, a personalized digital assistant, which I'm now have a virtual assistant company, which is interesting. Um, from so being organized with a Palm Pilot to you know now using a tool for, like Asana, for example, which is a task management tool, and we use it through with my with my VAs on my team. I use it for my personal um, tasks, but it's really the skill was learning how to translate that tech, that technology into my organizational, my personal organizational um, beliefs and systems and how that can really keep you on track and hold you accountable. And then, but also have a great place to just capture all that information. So, you know, over the years, the technology has changed, but the principle has remained the same. Oh my gosh. Like I, that, that little piece right there, that's the piece that I, I strive to tell my students so often and anybody that's diving into learning a new piece of technology, the principles are always the same. It just changes with the interface or the advancement of what, of, of the tool, right? Mm-hmm. The yes. principles of understanding how to problem solve, what's a variable, a conditional statement, a conditional statement is if I do this, then, right? right? All of those pieces stay the same. It just, you may have to change or shift your mindset based on the tool. Yeah, so true. I mean, I was writing if-then statements back in the early 90s, right? I mean, that's, again, it doesn't matter what the tool is. It's what you want it to do and how you mm-hmm. get it to do that. But it's all the, the logic that goes behind it. It's so true. The logic piece, and I've heard you mention this several times from your first job to what you did in college to the discovery of uh, bridging yourself between business and technology, a lot had to do with that logic, the problem solving Mm skill set, transitioning your skills from COBOL to the next iteration of COBOL, and then from that iteration to the next and then understanding how to completely merge those together so that a business can understand what the technology team needs. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's so important because, you know, they're, they're both important. And even if you're a, a technologist and that you're a pure technologist, you still need a partner. You don't have to have all of those skills in one person, right? Or one in one place. If you are a true business person and you can understand and translate that, you have, I mean, I think you, you find partners who are good at the things you're not good at, regardless of what you do. But if you're a technologist, it doesn't mean that you can't ever be a customer facing person or do discovery with a customer and understand what they need. And the flip side, if you love digging into how businesses work and how they run and what types of tools that they need, it doesn't mean that you are, that you can't ever be involved or be a technologist. And I think if you find some people that you can either work with or that you know, and you can start talking about collaborating with each other, it, you know, it really helps you understand, you can help, it helps you understand each other and how each other works and what your roles are in it, but it really marries the two together. And I think it's, it's just important to have both of those views where you're not always one or the other. You know, you can partner with people to create a team of both. You can be one and a little bit of the other. You know, I think it's, there's so much that has changed with technology now and so much you can do with technology that you don't have to be a fantastic graphic artist to create some cool designs for somebody's Instagram feed because we have tools like Canva, for example. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think that's exactly 
Spot on, because if you're open to the learning piece, you can learn a tool that can help facilitate where you want to go next. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about, you worked in the tech field and you have done a lot of work with business development and, and business analyst and really walking through the pieces of helping customers build what they need. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you had a Palm Pilot, which I love. I thought the Palm Pilot was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. It was so and cool. It was so cool. And you actually dabbled in this business a little bit sometime before, before you actually, um, you know, have launched We Assist that, mm-hmm. that you have right now. So tell me a bit about the journey of, of starting We Assist and why you saw the need of helping other entrepreneurs get their, get their house in shape per se. Yeah. So, yeah, so right. I did dabble in this about 17 years ago. So I started a virtual assistant business then as just kind of a little, not to grow it or anything, but just to kind of just season of life kind of business that I needed to do something on the side. Um, you know, the side was raising my children at the time. And, um, you know, of course there was no, there was very little virtual about it because there was no really real zoom. I mean, everything was, you know, that we could, we would email files back and forth basically, but having had that little taste of what I could do for businesses, you know, I have, um, I'd spent the five years before I started this, uh, this business with a very successful, um, what was a startup when I started there and left there, it was a, a you know, hundred plus person company. Um, but being on the executive team, I was the director of technology, shocker. Um, and I had, I had, you know, served in some other capacities too, as a consulting manager and working with clients and such, but being in that situation led me to see and being on the executive team and, and, you know, I was actually doing some of those things that the things we are spending our time on instead of working with our clients or being face-to-face with our clients, working on the strategic direction of the business. You know, there were things that we were either spending our time during the day or it's, you know, no, the CEO was staying up late at night answering emails because we get emails from him. So, you know, knowing that and, and it was really, I, I love the company still. It's fantastic. And I actually thought I was going to retire there. I didn't think I was going to leave and be an entrepreneur, but it's something, you know, I kind of, I woke up out of a sound sleep with two thoughts and it was um, help women and start a business. And then, uh, so I started to explore that and realized that there's a lot of businesses that need help with their administrative tasks. And there's a lot of technology that can get us there. And there's a lot of the women part, women out there who would like to be in a business situation and, you know, are a little bit maybe intimidated or just don't know how to jump in Mm -hmm. and get started. So I thought if I could bring those two together I think this could be a fantastic way to help businesses and then also help women and, um, you know, help people grow their businesses really through technology, essentially. Yeah. And that's the part that I love the most is that it's almost full circle for you, I feel Mm -hmm. like, because you have this expertise in in understanding the technical side, but also the business side, which you can really pull together and for sure help women move their business forward because you know we tend to think we can do it all. I mean we right. can do so many things, but it, there comes a point where you really you need help sending that mm-hmm. invoice or managing your back end with your QuickBooks or even that email, gosh, the inbox, the inbox organization, simple right. things like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so true, and especially you know, as as women, as your know, girls, even. I mean, it's so. It's I don't know if it's I don't know if it's hard. It's just not something we are told that we should be doing, right? Like, don't you, if you want to come up in this world, like you got to you be tough and don't ask questions and don't don't ask for help. Got to figure stuff out. Well, I think when you become a business owner, even before that, you, you realize that you can do all that stuff by yourself and it's totally fine to ask for help. It's, this is what we're all here for is to collaborate with each other and, and be in service to each other as human beings. So, you know, I think that um, being able to work with the business owners that we work with and help them, some of them, we help, we recommend technology for them as we're getting to know their businesses and we see things that could be done better or things they could be doing more efficiently if they had a tool. You know, a lot of them have tools, but they haven't ever worked with them yet. So, you know, us coming in and taking some of that over for them and helping them understand a little bit how to use the tool and what they need to do is, has been really helpful for them. And, you know, and not something they would have done on their own because they either weren't comfortable or truly they just didn't have the time to figure it out. Listen, that's the big piece. I think, you know, time is money. So that's sort of the way my perception has been on this because I even hesitated a bit about hiring someone to help me because I am pretty tech savvy and I can do a lot of things on my own, but it really wasn't even about my ability to do it. It was about the time I was spending and my time could be spent in other areas to continue to grow the business. Mm -hmm. So it was a really big eye-opening piece uh, eye-opening moment for me when I'd finally said, you know what? I need help. I need help. And I need someone that would love to come in and loves the whole concept of organization and doesn't mind some of those admin tasks. I mean, which I like too, but really would want to come and support what what I'm doing as a business, et cetera. And that was an amazing pivotal moment for me as an entrepreneur to bring somebody in to help And it also then allowed me to spend more time on what I love to do, which is supporting and helping teachers in computer science and, and of course, growing the nonprofit with girls. But tell me a bit. So when if there is an entrepreneur who is thinking about keeps hearing this word like Mm -hmm. virtual assistant, like, you know, it sort of mills around now in, in entrepreneur world. Can you define what is a virtual assistant? And then for your business, if I wanted to work with you, what would that look like? Yeah, so that's a great question. What is a virtual assistant? Because if you Googled that, what you would get is a whole pile of different things. So at the very core, a virtual assistant is somebody who's going to come into your business and take some kind of task off your plate. They're going to assist you or, and help you. Um, free up your time, be the face of your business, work with your clients, do a podcast. You know, there's the things that only you can do as a business owner. Now, how they do that and what they actually focus on is very different. So you'll have virtual assistants that are, you know, work on only social media, only um, invoicing, only bookkeeping, general, you know, do all different kinds of things. So a lot of times when people are looking for a virtual assistant, they might look for somebody specific because they only want this person to do their social media or more generalist. So we do, and we do social media as and marketing emails, newsletters, as well as 
you know, inbox calendar, the traditional stuff, you know. Yes, that, you that newsletter, the emails. Yes. The, that. Okay. <laughs> the newsletter you have to send, you know, you should be sending out monthly, but you're not because putting but it together <laughs> takes a <laughs> yeah. lot of work. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, so, but at the end of the day, when you, when you hear somebody talk about being a virtual assistant or that they need to get a virtual assistant, and I've heard so many times, I know I need a virtual assistant, but I don't know why, you know, that. <laughs> And they and yes. more how to get started, right? Like I don't even know what to give them. And so it's like it holds you back from getting that help in your business. Right. So really it's what I encourage people to do is if they're not sure who what type of virtual assistant they, they need, find start making lists of the things that you do during the day. Love a good list. Right. Yeah. So take a week and just keep your list with you. And as you're going through your week, you're gonna see the types of things that you can offload to a virtual assistant. Because you're going to see patterns in your day, in your week, and you're going to understand like, hey, wait a minute. Okay, these are the things I have to do because they're, they're, I'm the face of the business mm-hmm. and I need to see my clients and I need to run the podcast and I need to do things that, I, that only I can do. But all the other things, hey, wait a minute, the other things somebody else could definitely do. And yes. also what we find is once you give that first thing over to somebody, and it feels so good. Feels so yes, it does. good. <laughs> so good. And then what happens is the floodgates open. And then you start thinking about all the other things you could be giving over to your virtual assistant. And then we get questions like, could you also do this? Do you guys also do this? Would you do this for me? And it just kind of snowballs from there. And I think it's just getting over the hurdle of, first of all, figuring out what you how you want to use a virtual assistant, but then also being okay with letting go of control a little bit Mm -hmm. and building that trust and relationship with your virtual assistant that allows you to do that. That just opens a whole possibility of how much you can get back your time and the things you need to be doing to grow your business by outsourcing some of these things to someone else. So I heard two things that I think are really important and I was making a list (laughs) while you were talking. But um, what I liked the most is that to start making a list or jotting down things that you do on a regular basis, and it could be even something that you're doing, but you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Like for me, a lot Mm -hmm. of times it's social media. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, we are of a different generation and I enjoy social media, but it's also a bit of a pain point for me in terms of, of getting that listed. So what are the patterns? What are some of the things you're seeing that you're doing that you think you could hand off and noticing those? And then that is, and just start with the one piece. I think that was really powerful. What you said, mm-hmm. just start with one, just hand over yes. one, one item, see how that feels and mm-hmm. how that works. And then you can grow into the other pieces. Yep. So that's so true. So the patterns that we, that we're seeing are, um, are social. So I, I don't want to just say social media because it's really on the marketing from the marketing perspective. So social yeah. media is one social media management is one, but when, and when I say social media management, I'm just, just talking about scheduling posts. That's part of it, but it's putting posts together, creating content, creating graphics, um, putting that list of, you know, I want to post something for every holiday in the year. So Cinco de Mayo, what does that look like? I'm creating a single to mile post and this is what it's going to say, right? Like based right. on what my business is. So it's coming up with those ideas and, um, and, and, you know, kind of those themes for the year and then the newsletter, of course, and, yeah. um, and email marketing campaigns. So that's one big thing that people bring us on board to do. 
the other big thing that people bring us on board to do is inbox. You mentioned the inbox already. So inbox clean, inbox and calendar management. So inbox cleanup first. So that's usually the first project that we tackle. And we work with our clients on a monthly basis, but typically there's a couple of projects that we need to do. So for marketing, we need to get your contact list cleaned up, right? You've got a bunch of old people on there. You got to put mm-hmm. a bunch of new people on there. Um, you got a bunch of business cards in a box under your desk that you need to get on there. Ooh, I'm looking at that current <laughs> box right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then inbox it, same thing. So you've got 25,000 emails in your inbox and you know there's some sales in there somewhere that you probably missed, but you're not really sure even how to get to them because there's so much overwhelm. Yep. So really those are the two, the two areas where we focus a lot. We do other things, but those are the biggest, I would say, chunks of where we spend our time with clients. And again, it all goes back to organization. But those are all things that there's really no reason for a business owner, entrepreneur to be doing those things. Once they do a little bit of training with their assistant, that can easily be handed over. And, you know, some of our clients like to write their content and we might add something to it or create a graphic. For the most part, we start learning their voice and then we start writing their content. And a lot of virtual assistants do that as well. And with their approval, um, you know, or we're, we're curating things from content they've already created and making it new and different and exciting. So, you know, I think that when people think about giving up control, especially when it comes to social media, you know, having your voice still be heard, even if somebody else is doing the legwork of it is very possible. Yeah, I like that you said that because that's a good point that you start working with someone so they can hear your voice mm-hmm. because it's that piece of how you want your business or your presentation to be shared across social media, marketing, email, whatever that looks like. Yes. Working and it takes time. It may, and this is one piece we need to, you need to keep in mind. It may not happen immediately. It takes a little bit of time for someone to work with you to begin to hear and, and understand your voice. But once you mm-hmm. get over that hump, that's the piece where it really becomes like this whole new level of Ah, oh. yes, it is. That's a great way to put it. A, a level of ah, oh. <laughs> because you know I think that our you know our clients are they have their I mean, and all business owners and entrepreneurs are so busy. They're so busy and just not even realizing once we take some of those things off their plates that how stressed it was making them. Just it could be a little task. Like I'm trying to chase down somebody to get, you know, a a file shredder box in my office, right? Like that is a little small task, but it's sitting on your back for week after week after week. And it takes a little bit of time because you have to get in touch with somebody and you have to get it delivered and you have to coordinate that. Just removing some of that stress and overwhelm from them is just frees up not just their time, but their mind space to help help them grow their business. Yeah. No, I love that example because I've totally done that same piece. Like, I'm like, oh, I need to do such and such. And it just sort of, well, it sits on one of my numerous pads of lists to do. Yes. And then I don't do it. And then I'm like, fiddlesticks. I should have just given this to, you know, like right. I have an amazing uh, individual, Heather, who has become my organizational manager, really. I mean, she takes care of just about all the things because things sit on my list if they don't, if I don't say, Heather, I need help with this, you know? So that's, um, yes, I totally, I like that example a lot because that's a great way to show that's time taking up 
or headspace of trying to complete a task that could be shifted off to somebody else. So how can an entrepreneur work with you if they'd like to learn more about your business and what you do and how you can support? Yeah. So, you know, the best way to, um, to find me is I, we, so we have a website or I'm on LinkedIn, um, Jackie Benjamin, we assist, our website is uh, weassistbusiness.com, but really is to just have a conversation with me, even if people aren't sure. I mean, I've had some people that I've just talked through, do I need a virtual assistant right now? You know, it it might not be time Mm -hmm. for you. Right. It right. might not be time. You might not be far enough along your road. You might have something going on that's changing. That is not a good time for you to bring somebody in, but is really to just have that conversation around, you know, is this the right time for me? And, and, or what could I possibly give you that's on my list? And I have absolutely no idea what that would look like, but so the best way to start working with us is just to, you know, have that conversation with me. And then, you know, we just go from there. Um, Typically, what I do is, you know, just ask people, so what are your top three things you just don't like doing and they're getting in the way of you doing anything else? There's always an answer for that. Oh, yeah, there is. There's always an answer. (laughs) If the question is, how would you use a virtual assistant? You might not know. But when the question is, what are the top three, three things that you hate doing or getting in the way of you doing anything else? There is always an answer. And that's where I like to start because... Those things are important and some things, you know, we can't, we can't take off your plate because the thing getting in the way is you driving from point A to point B to do your next job. Now I can't take you there, but what I can do is once you get to those jobs, when you're in that transition, there's things that we can be doing for you behind the scenes that will help make your job easier. So, so that's how I like to start and, and having people think about those things. And then we just, you know, kind of talk through, um, you know, what are your priorities? What would you like somebody to work on? And then, figure out from there if we move forward or not. And, you know, once, once we do, and it's, you know, all about priorities and building the relationship with their, their virtual assistant. You know, I was, when I was listening to you talk and this is, you were talking about someone, you know, reaching out to you and you walking through it, you know, it takes me back to that first job of your fabric store, excuse me, your first job in the fabric store where you did a lot of discovery and asking and client intake. And even when you were asked that problem about why the textile company was losing money, all of those pieces are exactly what you're doing now in talking with entrepreneurs or individuals that call and say, you know, I love what you said. You may not need a virtual assistant right now. It may not be the right time. And that to me feels like a really cool full, full circle event. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, um, yeah. So if you could give an action item for our listeners right now, what would that be? Would that be around learning a piece of, you know, discovering a new piece of technology? Would it be around thinking about your business? What would be a, an action item that you could share with our listeners? So, yeah, what I would say for the listeners is, um, you know, there's so many great pieces of technology out there. I feel like, and I know you mentioned lifelong learner, right? Is, is learn something, learn something new all the time. Like whether it's every day or it's every week or it's every month and and not just do it, put it on your calendar or put it on your task list. Because if you don't, those are the things that are going to be put by the wayside when you don't have enough time. So I would say your action item for today is figure out what it is you need to know more about to help you grow your business, figure out where you can get training on that 
and then put it on your calendar. Register for the training, put it on your calendar, actually do it and invest time in yourself and your business because that's what's going to help you grow as a person, which is going to help you grow your business. Drop the mic or I won't (laughs) drop it because we might need it. Amazing. That's exactly right. Just start. That's the action Mm -hmm. item. Find something that you want to learn or you need for your business and just start. Mm -hmm. Yep. Whatever that may be, whatever is circling on that list that you keep rewriting four or five times over and over again, just start. Mm -hmm. I love it, Jackie. Um, Thank you so much. We could talk for so many more hours, I believe. And if, um, again, if we're going to put Jackie's information will be in the show notes of our show, but you can find her, Jackie Benjamin, on LinkedIn, weassistbusiness.com. And action item for today is to just start. Find that thing that you've been mulling around in the brain that you would like to learn or something that you think could help your business and just start. I am so grateful that you have joined us for this hour of Coding the Future where we have talked about what is a VA, how do we use technology to help serve our careers and our business and use it in a way that is going to be efficient. That's the other piece that I think is really important about what Jackie said is take the time to discover what is going to be efficient for you in your career and your business. So she talked a little bit about marketing, a little bit about inbox organization. And this is the piece that I think sometimes we forget, right? Doing a little bit of work on the back end will help us in our everyday task. So even if you take the time, take a couple hours on a Saturday or even a Monday morning or Monday evening and really take the time to organize your inbox, it makes your everyday life so much better. And if you don't want to do that, Jackie's company can help you. And that is my plug for that. Thank you so much again. If you've liked what you've heard, please join us on the platform, the Voice America platform of Coding the Future. You can find us on all the podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, et cetera, under Coding the Future. If you'd like to know more about what we do or what I do, you can find at the .consulting.co where I support K-12 education and integrating computer science and STEM into your everyday curriculum and how we support young ladies in computer science through the Dottie Rose Foundation at dottierosefoundation.org. Thank you again. It's been an honor. Thank you, Jackie. Please reach out to her if you know you need some support in your business. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Coding the Future. We will talk to another amazing tech expert and have another action tip for you to take to the table right now. All right. See everybody on the next episode. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then. 